Have you ever had a great round and been really excited to get back out there because you couldn't wait to repeat the experience? But much to your disappointment, your next round unfolds differently and not in a good way. Playing great doesn't have to be a mystery. When trouble arises, most golfers think that their faulty swing mechanics are the cause of their inconsistent play. In this episode, I want to challenge that conclusion by sharing specific situations I constantly hear about and the top 10 reasons why your mind is to blame for your high scores. She Talks Birdie is for you, the golf enthusiast who wants to discover how to play the game you love better, smarter, and more effortlessly. If that sounds like exactly what you need to take your game to the next level, then I'm so glad you stopped by. My name is Dr. Shannon Reese, and in each episode, we'll take a look behind the curtain in your mind to uncover the simple mindset strategies that will help you play great. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's get started. I get comments from golfers all the time about the challenges they're having with their game. I thought it might be helpful to compile a list of the most common ones I hear because you might be struggling with them too, and I'd like to help you with that. These challenges range from issues with inconsistency and focus to getting nervous when playing with others and fear of hitting a bad shot, and they all have a negative impact on golfers' scores. During discussions with golfers of all levels who have shared their big pain points with me over the years, the most common conclusion is that their problems are rooted in their physical game. And it's because of this blanket conclusion that way too many golfers find it terribly difficult to overcome their challenges simply because they're not focused on the thing that actually needs fixing. To save you time, effort, energy, and maybe a little money, I challenge you to open your mind to the real possibility that more time hitting balls, more lessons, better equipment, or more rounds isn't going to fix what's ailing you. Those things are important to focus on under the right circumstances, but have you really considered how much your mind is factoring into your performance? Let's dive into the top 10 reasons why your mind is to blame for your high scores. Grab a piece of paper and something to write with so you can jot down the numbers that correspond with any of the following situations that you're battling in your game. Here we go. Situation number one. You think that if golf was played on the range, you'd be a scratch golfer. But when you try to take your great swing to the course, it can be very unpredictable. If this situation sounds familiar, the reason why your mind is to blame is because you haven't been building trust in your swing on the range so that you can play with it on the course. I refer to this type of challenge as trying to play with training wheels on your swing. You probably spend time on the range focused solely on improving your mechanics. And while that's a good thing, it can't be the only thing you do. Because if you're always in a training mindset, you won't learn how to play with trust. You'll never learn how to trust your swing if you don't engage regularly in trust-building drills during practice and a trust-building routine during your pre-round warm-up. 
Working hard to perfect your mechanics can create a bad habit of constantly micromanaging your swing. Think about what happens when your swing feels a little or really off during a round. What's your typical response? My guess is that you immediately try to figure out what's technically wrong with your swing and how to fix it fast. Am I right? That's like trying to give yourself a swing lesson in the middle of a round and is the complete opposite of playing with trust. Besides, when you get up tight about your swing, you can turn something very small into something really big. The more you learn how to embrace the swing you have, the less tension you will experience and the better you'll swing without constantly reminding yourself how to do it right. So if this first situation is something you know all too well, then you need to spend a lot more time building trust in your swing off the course so you can trust it consistently when you're on the course. Situation number two. You find it difficult to maintain sharp focus for 18 holes, especially when you aren't playing at your best. And when you get wrapped up in the things that aren't working, your round can go from bad to worse. If you found yourself in this situation, the reason why your mind is to blame is because you haven't disciplined it to stay focused on the right parts of your performance. Even at the highest levels of golf, it's impossible for anyone to play a flaw-free round. While you don't want to anticipate that you'll make some mistakes, you also don't want to allow an occasional mishit or bad hole to mentally throw you off your game. The best way to get great results is to avoid being a passive bystander to your thoughts. You must constantly monitor and direct your mind so that your thoughts are always leading you in the best possible direction. Most golfers have no idea how to do this and therefore attempt to brush their negative thoughts, feelings, and memories under the proverbial rug. But unresolved thoughts and feelings can compound beneath the surface and bubble up when you least expect or want them to. This is how one poor shot can turn into a blow-up hole or a ride on the bogey train. The key is to keep your attention focused on the things that are adding to your game, meaning the things you're doing right. You might be thinking, well, that's impossible when I've just had a blow-up mid-round. That's a sign that I did nothing right. Well, that's simply not true. There's always something valuable you can draw from every experience if you're determined to keep building on success. That's what learning how to be mentally tough is all about. Make an effort to remain more objective while you play so that you can prevent a negativity nosedive that completely destroys your focus. If this is a hot-button topic for you, then you're definitely going to want to listen to episode number five, where I share three fantastic ways to sharpen your golf focus so you can play great. You can listen to this episode by going to trainingforoptimalperformance.com forward slash 005. And while you're there, be sure to grab the free cheat sheet I created to help you apply the lessons that I share in that episode. Situation number three. You tend to play better in friendly rounds, but have a hard time staying tension-free when you play in competitive rounds. If you find that your nerves take over and you feel a lot of pressure to perform during competitive rounds, your mind is to blame because you've been expecting to play differently on game day than the standard that you've been holding yourself to every day. 
I can't tell you how many times golfers will tell me that their problem is that they set their expectations too high, when in reality, they feel pressure because they've set the bar too low in their game on a daily basis. Relaxing your standards one day and raising them the next will cause pressure. The solution is to hold yourself to the same expectations every day that align with the level of performance you want to bring to a competitive round. By doing this, you can confidently play in a competitive event no matter the format or who will be joining you on the course because you've trained yourself to reach for that standard every day. It's all about leveling the playing field in your mind by treating every day like it's game day. This approach will prevent you from suddenly altering your expectations from one round to the next. Knowing that your everyday game is well-suited for all types of situations will help you play more consistently so you can step into every shot with zero pressure. Situation number four. You get anxious when playing with others, whether better golfers or playing partners in a team event. You struggle with worry about not contributing or embarrassing yourself by not playing well. If playing with others can leave you feeling uncomfortable, your mind is to blame because your focus has been wrapped up in other people. This leads me to an important question. Who do you play for? Your first instinct might be to say that you think you play for yourself. But if you worry that somehow you might let others down or embarrass yourself in front of other people, please take note of where your thoughts are focused. On others. There are two things I want you to keep in mind. Number one, the only person's opinion that matters is yours. And number two, the best way to be a good contributor when playing in a team event is to focus on yourself and your game, not everyone else's too. If you find your thoughts drifting off your game, you've got to pause long enough to get them back on your own before hitting your next shot. You want all of your attention focused on your game and what you're doing moment by moment. Trying to play with the expectations, opinions, or voices of others in your head just creates a lot of clutter that will mess with your swing. Your own thoughts are enough to manage at one time. And I can guarantee that others are thinking more about their own game than yours anyway. When you play for you, you will find that your mind is a lot easier to manage. Situation number five. You worry too much about hitting bad shots and put a lot of focus on avoiding trouble spots on the course. If you find your thoughts wrapped up in worry about what kind of shot you're going to hit next and how to avoid messing up, your mind is to blame because you've been thinking about playing not to lose rather than on how to play to win. Each time you allow your eyes to be drawn in the directions you don't want your ball to go, in addition to where you hope it will, you create alternate outcomes and targets. There is no value in considering where the trouble is on the course unless you don't mind ending up in it. All it does is create a defensive approach to the game. The solution is to focus your thoughts on where you actually want the ball to go without entertaining other options. Your mind will remain quieter, enabling your brain to more simply tell your body what to do. You may also find yourself playing defensively at those times when you recognize how well you're actually playing, but begin to worry about how long it might last. 
The bottom line is that fear of failure, which includes any wrinkle of doubt, will hurt your ability to swing well. Poor thoughts lead to poor shots. But training yourself to play with a great mental pre-shot routine will keep your thoughts simple and allow your mind to set the stage for success on every shot. Situation number six. After one bad shot or getting a big number on a hole, your confidence gets shaken and you start questioning your mechanics. Does your confidence go up and down like a roller coaster during a round depending on how well you're hitting? If yes, then your mind is to blame because you're not building a strong confidence foundation beneath your game. This brings us back to the basic question following a miss. Is there something wrong with your mechanics? While technically the answer might be yes, you must first determine how your thoughts created the glitch in your mechanics. Your thoughts will be expressed in your swing. That's why it's so important to make sure that your thoughts are helping you swing with confidence, commitment, and freedom before you pull the trigger. Confidence must start in your mind first and then work its way out into your swing. From shot to shot and hole to hole, your physical game doesn't change. You're still the same golfer with the same skills, using the same clubs to hit the same shots that you've trained yourself to hit. The major thing that can and does change when not managed is your mind. That's why when you hit a poor shot or get a big number on a hole, the first place you need to go looking for answers is in your mind. That's what it means to get to the source of your problem rather than just focusing on the symptoms. Confidence is meant to be a constant in your game, not a variable. You cannot wait until you start hitting a bunch of great shots before you decide you can feel confident about your game. That's backwards thinking. In order to swing with confidence and thereby produce a technically solid swing, you must first be confident in your ability to swing well. Consistent confidence is so essential to your success in golf that I built an entire membership program around it called the Confident Golf Club. If you're interested in learning more about it, go to trainingfor-optimal-performance.com forward slash club. When your confidence becomes a stable foundation in your game, it will not be rocked by an occasional miss or even a blow-up hole. As a result, you'll be able to bounce back fast rather than allowing your fear to cost you unnecessary strokes. Situation number seven. You start your rounds hoping for the best, but are often waiting to see what happens rather than knowing you're going to play well. As a result, your start can be rough and unpredictable. If you're in the habit of taking a wait-and-see approach to your rounds, your mind is to blame because you've not been constructing a specific game plan before every round so that you can start, stay, and finish strong. Most golfers believe that preparing for a round is just about getting to the course on time and warming up a bit before they tee off. I teach my clients how to begin their preparation routine at home long before they walk out the door. Every golfer should have a before-you-play routine that includes physical preparation, but really emphasizes getting mentally ready to bring your best to the round. The process begins at home, and it's important to set some good expectations before you play so you are more intentional in your approach. This doesn't mean deciding what you want to shoot, 
but what you intend to do shot by shot in order to reach the score you desire. In addition, you can flesh out your purpose objectives that will help you stay on track to meet your expectations and reflect on your recent wins and lessons. Lastly, you can consciously set aside any clutter that is not related to golf and get your mind into play mode while reinforcing trust during your warm-up. When you operate with a reliable process, you eliminate the need to wait and see how you're going to play. You can be much more proactive in how you prepare to play so that you always bring your A-game to the course. Situation number eight. At the end of a tough round, you find it much easier to recall the things that didn't go well rather than the things that did. If the poor shots you've hit in the past are leaving a lasting impression, your mind is to blame because you haven't been taking the time after your rounds to evaluate your performance through an objective and scholarly lens. Poor shots and blow-up holes can leave a mark because of the strong emotions you experience when you go through them. It makes those memories sticky. But you will limit how quickly you advance your game if you choose to walk away from any round without taking the time to extract some value from it. One of the big strategies I teach my private clients is how to conduct a post-round evaluation. The goal of the exercise is to help them evaluate their performance from the process rather than an outcome standpoint. Outcomes like your score only tell part of the story. And if you had a tough round, your score doesn't explain why. You've got to look at what happened in the process. The process is how you mentally prepare for each shot before you hit it and evaluate each shot after you complete it. This is why it's so valuable to have a great mental pre- and post-shot routine that you consistently use. To make sure that the right memories stick, meaning the ones that keep your wins and the important lessons you learned from around top of mind, you've got to seek them out while your round is still fresh in your mind. All it takes is some quiet time to consider the parts of your round that are worth repeating or building upon. And if you determine that you need to spend some time on the range, working out a kink in your swing, it's okay to make that a secondary conclusion to the primary assessment of the process side of your performance. Situation number nine. You struggle to maintain a positive attitude when you feel like the wheels are coming off your game. If you find it difficult to bounce back after a bad shot, your mind is to blame because you're not playing with a consistent post-shot routine. Did you know that what you do after every shot can have more of an impact on your game than what you do before your shots? Your attitude works like a perspective filter. The more positive your attitude, the more clearly you can see your options, shot details that are important to keep in mind, what's working in your bag, and when you need to reset your focus if it's gone astray. A bad attitude develops when you don't take the time to resolve your thoughts and feelings after a shot. When you don't process your reaction to an unexpected or disappointing shot, you can get carryover that will prevent you from bringing your best to the next one. Now, you may not think you have attitude issues just because you don't throw clubs, but just a little bit of negativity can go a long way to damage a round. To maintain a winning attitude, there's one important habit you can develop in your game after every shot that I talk about in episode number four. 
This one little habit will help you bounce back easier after a mishit, and you can get all the details by going to trainingfor-optimal-performance.com forward slash 004. Situation number 10. When a group is pressing from behind or there's a slow player in your group, you tend to feel rushed and distracted. You try to pick up the pace and end up hitting a lot of poor shots. If you believe that speeding up your pace of play is going to make things better, your mind is to blame because you're not seeing the bigger picture. This final situation trips up so many golfers because pace of play is something everyone pays very close attention to, and there's nothing wrong with making sure you stay in position. But to some degree, the solution here ties back to the solution I shared in situation number four. You've got to commit to play for you. In this case, that means knowing what your good pace of play is and never shortcutting it. There's a temptation to rush when there's a fast group behind you. There's a temptation to abbreviate your routine to try to make up for a slower player in your group. There's a temptation to hurry up and just get a hole over with if you've been invited to play through or you've had some struggles on the hole and you think everyone is waiting on you. While there are temptations, there is never a good reason to rush your process. The consequences aren't worth it unless you don't mind adding shots to your scorecard. Whenever this issue comes up, I always ask people to consider what takes longer. Does it take more time to rush your pace and then hit a poor shot or more that you might have to go hunt for or dig out of a bunker or hit from off the back of the green? Or does it take more time to step away from a shot you're not ready to hit, get your mind back in the game, prepare for the shot with quality, and hit it well. You have to decide which option makes the most sense to you and live with the results you get. I know for a fact that the correct answer is to do whatever it takes to approach every shot with quality in order to prevent quantity. If that sounds good to you, then stick to your pace. Well, that's a wrap. If this episode has helped you identify some ways that your mind is to blame for your high scores, and what you can do about it, then mission accomplished. If you'd like a copy of the 10 ways you can use your mind to overcome the common situations golfers struggle with, I've created a downloadable cheat sheet that you can grab by heading over to trainingforoptimalperformance.com forward slash 006. And while you're there, leave me a comment and let me know which remedy you know you need to focus on most in your game. I'd love to hear from you. To quickly recap, here are my top 10 reminders for how you can use the power of your mind to overcome the challenging situations I shared in this episode. Number one, add some trust-building activities to your practice and warm-up. Number two, pay attention to what's going right in your game. Number three, treat every day like it's game day. Number four, play for you. Number five, Focus on where you want the ball to go. Number six, think confidently so you can swing confidently. Number seven, get your head ready to play with an at-home preparation routine. Number eight, complete every round with a list of wins. Number nine, play with a winning attitude. And number 10, stick to your pace. 
If you're ready to start training your mind so that it supports great play rather than preventing it, I'd love to invite you to my free private Facebook group where I share even more tips and strategies you can use to play great. In fact, my group is called Play Great Golf, and you can request to join it by going over to playgreatgolfgroup.com. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast or leave me a review. It's the best way to support the podcast and enable me to keep providing you with the actionable content you need to play great. And if you haven't subscribed to the She Talks Birdie podcast, what are you waiting for? That'll guarantee you won't miss a single juicy episode. I'll be back soon. Until next time, get out there and play great.